Welcome to the Coffee and Questions podcast. I am your host, Michelle Berman-Michael, and my mission with this podcast is simple, to help realtors and loan officers across the world tap into the value Instagram can have for them and their business. To me, organic business that comes to us is the name of the game. On this show, you're going to hear from myself, other experts across social media, and also others that are just like you selling real estate and doing loans and doing it at a high level on social media. All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Coffee and Questions podcast. If you guys are here with me, this is episode number 48. I've been doing this for, what, a year and a half now? This is pretty amazing. But this episode is really special to me because this is actually someone who I got to go back and forth with via DM, and he actually pushed my buttons in a couple of ways that I think we're hopefully going to get to talk about a little bit today. But um, I'm definitely looking forward to this episode. If you guys don't know this gentleman, you live under a rock probably, uh, especially if you're in the real estate community. But this person is none other than Will Grimes. Will, I am so pumped to have you here. Welcome to my show. Should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad you had me. Um, and we can start with that. We can just give context on you want on like um, on how we met and just the comments to the DMs and just the, the intellectual challenges as far as like some of that, if you guys would like. But um wherever you like, or if you want me to give a little background, I'm a, I'm a prior Marine did that for a long time. I did some mercenary work after that and then came home and, and was a cop for a while here in my hometown. And and from there ventured into the entrepreneur space with a friend of mine in, in fitness that had some brick and mortar fitness stores, kind of like GNCs, but um, we did like food prep and some other stuff, mildly interesting. Uh, and we, man, we built 14 stores in two years uh, after he had gotten it franchised and we were onto something and it was time for me to just maybe grow like, Hey, what if I did this for myself, you know, versus being a number two. And I decided to kind of, you know, get into real estate and, and tackle that. And, you know, man, now we're in 17 States. We do two, over 200 million in volume. We've got a couple hundred realtors that, that work with us and we've got coaching platforms and YouTube channels. And I'm sure we'll get into plenty of it today, but um, what a fun space. I've had a lot of, a lot of fun in real estate. I think there's a lot of space for people to grow here and be themselves. And we're going to get to that today as well, but that's a little context on me. I was on your Instagram page, just watching what you were talking about. And man, I just love interacting as well. And I love challenging and had some good stuff for you and, and you took it positive and, and here we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I think one of the things that we talked about and the reason I actually kind of pushed back and sort of engaged back with you, I think is a good place for us to start too. Um, yep. There's two big phrases that stick out to me. And with today, especially I'm recording this episode on my nine year work anniversary, which is a really special day for me as an entrepreneur, um, knowing that when I left corporate America, that there was just, I had a bigger voice than what I was doing. Right. And I think that you and I can agree that you being number two, you knew you had a bigger voice that you needed to share and it needed to be elsewhere. Um, and so I think that I want to start there because in order to do that, right, in order to take a leap of faith the way that I think we both did, it requires my personal favorite word, and you and I chatted about this, um, but grit, right? And and I want to know how you define grit. What does that mean to you? Because I think your definition might be a little different than mine, but hopefully in a good way. Yeah. I mean, so so starting off, right, when we talk about being number two, but still having a bigger voice, the answer to that is yes, but it doesn't have to be. For me, it was as in, I was a visionary for that company. I was the driver of that company. I was the guy that was really creating a lot of the, the different opportunities we were doing. He was more on the organizational side, financially and just ordering shelving and different stuff like that, being like the the owner, uh, the franchisor per se. And the reason why I was ready to just step out and do my own thing was because of 
not just the amount of like workload I had, right. Of like just the amount of hours I was working. It was a vision I had for a company and, and also just, you know, with, with the self-awareness I had thinking that I could actually do something as a number one. Right. But there's no disrespect to number twos because everybody needs without me, Well, without me being me, like what, what if I was a great number two? Like what if I was still with that fitness company? Because what he took care of was great. And I fit into this role really well and I owned it and I crushed it and I'd still be there today. And I would still be thankful for it and having a great time because that's what I fit. So, you know, I'm just, I'm not in it for everybody being number ones. I'm not in it for everybody needing to be a, a number one voice. I'm in it for everybody being the best, the best version of themselves, knowing that myself personally, I've got two, three, fours, five, sixes, and sevens in my company that I wouldn't be around if I didn't have. Right. So I think the, the biggest thing that comes to mind with that is just making sure that people have permission to be themselves, right? And and permission to just seek their own self-awareness toward oh, what makes them tick and what they appreciate about themselves. And But if you feel like there's more in you and you've got more to give, that could be a telltale sign that maybe you should be doing something for yourself. So no, no wrong answers on both sides. And, you know, when it comes to grit, you know, as far as like how I define it, I'm not sure if I have a, a definition for it, but it's it's for me, it's typically like, Hey, when can you dig deep and just get a little bit more out of yourself upon demand when it's needed? I don't think it's necessarily something that I, I utilize or tap into every day. I think it's something that on the days I don't want to be around or struggle to be around. It's like, and we're even talking good stressors, you know, like I've been traveling, speaking just about every single week. And there's some time where I just got to utilize some grit to get on damn stage. And to some people, it might be like, like, what are you talking about? That's the fun part. And it's like, kind of, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of thinking and command presence and making sure I'm giving a good presentation and, and people are getting what they came for. There's a lot, there's a lot there you got to be present for. It's not just going up there talking bullshit, you know, like you've got to do well. And sometimes you just got to like get back down into your core values of why you're doing it in the first place and, and just grit it out as, and just pull a little bit more out of yourself upon demand when you need it. Um, if grit is something you're having to use all the time, and I think we're just not necessarily fundamentally sound, right? Like we can't be reliant upon that all the time. Like if you're reliant off of just coffee to stay awake, we should probably fix your diet and your water intake, right? Like yeah. coffee's like, give me that when I need it and kind of gets me going cool, but it's not something that should be the fundamentals or, or the foundation of how I survive. So when people are thinking about that word, I just, I try to be careful with it because I think, but I think if you have it, it should be something that you should be able to grab upon demand when needed, be on rapport and use it. You know what I mean? Like, and if you, if you struggle with that, then maybe you don't have it. I think, I also think to your point, like the, if coffee is what you're surviving off of, I, I mean, and everybody who knows me, right. I'm a competitive CrossFitter. I was, I have been for about six and a half years. I swam competitively for 22 years before that. So swam all through college. My husband is an ultra marathon runner, former special forces, like fitness is in my life, right? Like fitness is every day. And I can yep. tell you that when you combine fitness and it doesn't have, you don't have to be competing on any level. Like I know you play professional baseball, right? You're, you're a Marine. Like you talk about fitness, like we are the sort of definition of fitness, but I think what's important is that fitness is not defined in a certain way. But what I can tell you is that fitness has contributed dramatically to my ability or my stamina to find the grit when I need it, right? Like there, I think our market that we're in right now currently, like you and I both run coaching businesses, you obviously sell real estate very um, on a high performing level. And the market's not in 
our favor right now as coaches or in the real estate side of things when we're talking interest rates, yada, yada, but like we're killing it, right? I talked to a guy yesterday who just told me he is having the biggest year of his career by a lot in probably what most people would consider to be the worst year in their career, right? And why, like, why is that happening? And I think personally, I think he's been able to find grit within him um, in a very unique way, right? Perseverance mixed with passion, I believe is the, is the answer to what is grit and how does that, op- how do you, how does somebody operate at that level? Um, and so I think that there's a lot to it. And I think with the speaking thing, if I can for five seconds, go on a tangent on that and say, speaking is incredible, right? Like you obviously speak very often. Um, this was my biggest speaking year of my career, but like, it takes you away from your family. It takes you away from your kids. It takes you away from the routine of fitness that you have, right? It takes you away from like what your normal day to day really is. And that is hard all by itself. Um, And I don't want to discount that because taking yourself out, like routine is great for a reason, right? Your kids need need routine for a reason. We need routine in our day to day for a reason so that we can live and sustain our life, our livelihoods. Um, So when you take yourself out of it, the only way to survive it is to understand what powers you have and how to find them when you need them. Right. Yeah. And just, you know, kind of like using like the physical as a vehicle. Right. So let's, let's kind of like touch on that a little bit. When I, when I really dive in and like, Hey, if you really have to rely upon being grit gritty, mm-hmm. I think fundamentally you've just got some areas to improve. So let's, let's use CrossFit for an example, your first CrossFit workout was probably hard. Awful. Like your, your first, what like hard, which means the entire time, any ounce of grit you had in you was required just to get to that workout. As you got better, as you increase your capacity for more within CrossFit, the same level of workout no longer required your grit. It was your coast, your coasting. If you went back and did your, your first workout from me, like if you've been doing CrossFit for a year or for two years, and then somebody came up to you and said, Hey, go do your first workout, friend, Freddie, whatever it was. Cindy, and you have to I'll, do the, I'll never forget it. Pull so you have to do the same. Class. Yeah. So let's say you have to do the same workout with the same weight at the same time, the same time hack that you did your first one, but you've been crossfitting for two years. When you go back and do that, is that going to require any amount of grit? Nope. So where working out plays well in life is it's a vehicle to explore capacity, right? And it, it also requires a lot of mental fortitude to bruise your capacity and get through the physical framework of, of enduring that. But the whole goal there though is like, my first workout should not be the same as my 100th. I should be in way better condition. I should be able to recover way better. And you look at like a Rich Froning going through the CrossFit games, maybe half of it required grit. And he was winning. Mm-hmm. Look at some of the other champions. And they're smiling and flexing. And you got dudes dying. Well behind them, dying on the field still. And these yeah. guys are smiling and, and running through the finish line. It's like, well, that guy's using every ounce of grit left. And in his last breath, we actually think he's dying on the mm-hmm. rope pole. And here's Rich doing a backflip, you know, smiling, hugging his kids. And you're like... What, so that's what I really, when I, when I talk about grit, it's like, it's more so for that. The reason why I see it as temporary for me is it's, I shouldn't be using it all the time because my ability to withstand my workload in work and in life, I've got to be able to build a capacity to actually like have the bandwidth 
to function without grit. If I can't function with my workload, I'm going to get burnt out. I'm going to get stressed. So, but what I love about fitness is it's the vehicle that lets you test your boundaries and lets you increase actual capacity for more that becomes the lesson learned. So when you are in business and in life, you can use that as testimonials for how you push yourself in business. But if I've got to use grit every day, it means I've got growing to do. If you had to use grit every second of your first CrossFit workout, no problem. It means you had growing to do. Now you have capacity to where not only can you kick ass on a workout, you can probably catch your breath in five seconds. Pretty quickly. Depends on the workout. Right. So does that make sense? Like the grit, like that's why I feel like it shouldn't be this all, all the time thing. It just means like, Hey, fundamentally we're, we're off or we're, we're in, into something brand new where it's just hard. Yeah. But where can I increase and, and improve to where like, I've got the bandwidth to actually withstand the days and the workloads that I have. No, I love it. I think increasing capacity, the way you said that I took notes on that literally as you were saying it, cause I don't want to miss that. And I, I want to use it in our notes and I want people to be able to hear what that sounds like, right? Like from you, from a combination of your life experience. And I love, I love the CrossFit analogy. I think a lot of people can, can understand it and they just can reference it and get it right. Um, so to, to continue us, there was something else that you and I talked about that really struck me because I even catch myself as a very successful entrepreneur. I still catch, catch myself using the word everyone in marketing, right. And how I even talk, like, I remember sending you a couple of voice notes and I think your response back to me was, I don't agree because I don't, I don't like the word everyone. And I loved that about you. Cause I was like, Whoa, like I, Will is pushing a boundary here for me, but this is a good one, right? This is a growth opportunity for me. And how do I talk to myself? How do I talk to other people? Even when I'm coaching people, right? Like, can I get rid of the word everyone in my vocabulary? Uh, And I got to tell you, I talk to real estate agents. I talk to mortgage professionals every single day. How can we use Instagram to build our business? Michelle, I don't get it. Like I'm not getting any leads off of it. It's just not working. And one of the things that they are telling me very consistently is that they're trying to produce content for anyone and everyone that has money in their wallets. Like I will serve anyone. I will serve every single person, every single follower I get. Like I would love to sell them real estate. And I think that's the very first problem. And I just want to hear what your thought is. If you want to go in the Instagram realm, like if you want to talk about Instagram specifically, feel free to do so. But I think in general, the word everyone, I'm curious on your take. Yeah. The, so the reason for the kickback on that was just like, I'm just, I say, I stay careful with blanket statements and, and, you know, nobody or everyone, those are, those are just in general, right. Just by default, those are just blanket statements. And I try to stay careful with that because it it's, it's dangerous to the audience when I'm saying that, because now I'm, now I'm literally telling whoever's reading that, that this is what I think of them. And I'm also telling myself the same thing. You know, like we just have to be very careful with like the story or the truths, you know, that we tell ourselves. you know, like we don't have to believe everything we think, right? Like there's just more to it when you're talking about everyone. It's like, ah, probably not. So, hey, where could I pause? Where could I get more specific in identifying who or what I'm actually talking about? And again, a, a, a lot of that isn't just for the audience. A lot of that's for myself. Like if I start saying everyone, I'm going to lose hope in fucking humanity, <laughs> right? Like. Six months from now, I'm going to be in the middle of some woods living by myself wearing a foil hat because everyone's out to get me per se, right? Like, we so we just have to, we just got to be very careful as far as like the truths that we tell ourselves. And I'm using quotations when it comes to truths, right? Like, our, what is our truth and what are we saying? And 
I feel like if we're using words like everyone or or no one or all the time or never, it's like, nah, we could do better than that. We could pause and we could get more specific and have a better deliverable for an audience on what we're actually trying to say. So it just means if we catch ourselves saying that, especially if we're creating content, it just means like, nah, we could do better for our audience. Let's like, hey, maybe I'll post this tomorrow. Maybe I'll post it next week. Like people tend to just spit it out. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've got notes for miles on my phone when I'm spitting stuff out and, and I got something to say, per se. Very rarely does that become the the piece that makes it to my wall. Mm-hmm. Right. Typically, I might wait a week or two. It's like, oh, there's something there. Like, oh, there's something that's picking at me. And oh, it's kind of sparking some thought, but it's not finished. I'm not there with it. I want to. And that's just trying to be respectful of my audience. Cause I kind of treat my Instagram like a personal journal, right? Like we, we crush YouTube, we crush a lot of social platforms and we absolutely crush real estate. But if you guys look at my Instagram, it's not necessarily real estate. You'll hear me talking about speaking for Ryan Pineda and you'll hear me talking about some coaching, but it's not a real estate Instagram. It's Will Grimes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I'm a father, I'm a business guy. I'm a, I'm a dad, you know, like it's a lot, but it's like, I'm just giving you guys the thoughts behind the man. I'm not giving Will the realtor. I'm not giving Will the coach. It's just, it's just Will and what my thoughts are almost like a public journal. But some of the responsibility behind that is like, I owe it to myself and I owe it to others to, ah, if I'm just not there with the thought, let's, let's hold on to it. Let's, let's keep thinking about it and let me find a better deliverable or let's see if I can just package it more accurately for myself. Cause when people read it and, and, and you're in, you know, and they're influenced by you, there's a responsibility with that. You know, so you just, you know, like I, so I just really try to protect my words, I guess is what I'm saying and, and have a deliverable. And and sometimes I think I'm onto something, but I'm not quite there and it, it never becomes a post. It just never became as good or full circle as I thought. And, you know, and that's okay too. And I just think we should protect it more. Right. So like when I was pushing you on that a little bit, it was like, nah, I can tell by you writing like you're, uh, you're better than that. There's more, there's something more specific you could speak to. Yeah. And I think it was a good reminder, right? Because I think for me, my message has always been very specific to be, and and I'm going to just be very candid here. My audience knows this about me, which is why they're part of my audience. But the term social media management or the an organization that is a social media management company, to me, in, in our industry, has a terrible taste in its mouth. Most people I talk to consistently are like, oh, yeah, we hired somebody. It was horrible. We kind of have, you know, our guard up as far as that's concerned. And I technically own a social media management company. And so when I produce content, I really force myself to slow down and say, what can I say right now that is going to come out the way that I really want it to come out? Because we are not your standard social media management company. Can we help you produce content? Yes, of course we can. But our real job is to help you have a voice proactively and quote, actively prospect on the platform in a very unique way through the act of engagement intentionally, right? So I think sometimes when I'm trying to share a message, I'll slow myself down and say, wait a minute, that's not, that's going to come across as I'm just trying to help someone get more followers on Instagram, which I think is absolute bullshit. I, I, anybody I talk to on the phone when they're like, we just want more followers. Can you help me find, like, can you help me grow? I'm like, yeah, but anybody can teach you that. You can also buy them, right? And it's obviously not going to help you. Um, but if that's what your goal is, you're looking at the platform completely wrong and I'm not the right person for you to help support that journey. 
Um, so I, and where I'm going with that is I really respect your desire to help me see that, right. And your desire to push back on the phrase, everyone, but I do want to pick your brain on when a real estate agent, cause you're talking about your personal brand, Will Grimes, we're talking about me, Michelle Berman, Michael's personal brand. But when you have a real estate agent that's calling you and saying, Hey, Will, what am I supposed to be posting? And I, yes, I know my ideal audience, right? Like I talked to somebody yesterday, he's got his ideal audience dialed in for sure. Um, and he's a diversity specialist, right? He is married to a, another gentleman. He loves that community, but he also understands that there are um, issues within that community that cause problems for people wanting to buy and sell a house. Now, regardless of your political beliefs or regardless of your religious beliefs, the point is, is that the guy has his message dialed in, right? So how can a realtor like that produce content that's not for everyone, that's for the right person? And what would you tell them? Because their Instagram is not going to be a personal blog like ours is. Right. And that's, and that's okay. And like, let, let the market pick if they're for you or not, not the other way around. Everyone's so focused on figuring out their ideal client or their ideal audience. I mean, we did, we did almost 200 transactions last year just from our YouTube channel. And we've got folks from late 70s to mid 20s and different political backgrounds. And, and they came from different parts of the country. If you would have had me try to pick my ideal audience... You're all fucking wrong. You're just, you're all like, it's just, it's not, it's, it's, I don't think it's possible opinion. I don't think it's possible. Like, I think you've got to understand how to scale content and let people decide whether you're for them or not. It's who am I to say if I'm for a client or not, who am I to say, I'm going to put out great content. I'm going to, I'm going to understand fundamentally how to scale content to put it in front of as many people as possible. Let them decide if it's for them. Who am I to say I'm not for you? No, no. My ideal client is, um, well, I'm, I'm married and I have a couple young kiddos and I just bought a bigger house. Okay. So that's my ideal client. I'm looking for people that are married and they're mid twenties to mid thirties. And they just had one, they have one kid and they're pregnant with their second. So they need to sell their little house and buy a big one. That's my ideal client. You're a fucking idiot. You're a fucking idiot. It's not, it's, it's not even real. You're making this thing up and then you're trying to create something specific to that person. It's like, it's borderline illegal if you start looking at real estate law and red flagging and certain things, right? Like, you know how when you, you're supposed to like, oh, we're not going to show yeah. these people or that steering. steering. Yeah. It's like you're you're literally steering your content. The reality is, and the reason why it's not illegal is because no matter how hard you try to do that, it's impossible. What you should be doing is understanding fundamentally how to get content out at scale and letting people pick whether you're for them or not. Like, I'm 235 pounds. I shave my head. I have a beard and I'm tatted to the gills. And some of our mid seventies, late sixties, older ladies, they think Eli and I are a real hoot and they love us, but it's because of our intentions and where it comes from. They know, like, and trust us. They appreciate our content. And again, it's like, it comes from just being humble and understanding. I don't need to be so focused on putting my content in front of the right person I need to understand fundamentally how to put content at scale in front of as many people as possible and let those people decide whether I'm for them or not. But if I'm, if I'm of service, okay, let's get back to like Marine Corps and police work and then correlate that to real estate. If I am uh, in a service-based industry, real estate, which is service-based, 
why would I be the one predicating who I am for or not for? I should be of service to who anyone thinks I could give value to, correct? Absolutely. So then I should be fundamentally sound with understanding how to scale content and then allowing people to make that decision for themselves. I yes, think have- I think a really cool thing that you mentioned, and I'm, I'm going to push back in a good way on this. So the whole ideal client conversation is one that I have regularly. And what I think I want to say in rebuttal to your comment is understanding who you enjoy working with. I don't think is necessarily the same thing as knowing who your ideal client is. So great point. Let's go there, right? This is why a video is so great. I've never had a client from YouTube. I not enjoy them. You know why? Because they're watching our content and they get a feel for who I am. So whether you're 78 years old or 24, whether you're from New York, California, Chicago, Florida, Wisconsin, if you're absorbing my content and you're deciding to call, text, or email me, you're probably for me. So the way you just, the way you work with clients that you enjoy is you got to get your content at scale so people get a feel for who you are. Yeah, and I also think you have to actively prospect them and that and that's part of where what my my strategy where that strategy comes into play I think is a better Perfect. way of saying that. But one of the things that you also said which I want to continue the thought because ideal client is different right than who you should be producing content or how you should be producing content. And when I, when I teach people on this ideal client conversation, what I'm really trying to get people to do is tap into the brains of the people that they have served, right? Looking back at where they have served and say, okay, so if this is kind of the theme of who I've been working with, how can I produce content that solves problems that they don't even know that they have before they have them, right? So before the problem occurs, the idea is, can we produce content and to your point on a scalable level that will get to them before that client even thinks that they have an issue? And then can we produce yep. content that builds credibility, makes them like us, makes them know, you know, feel like they know us, feel like they trust us, yada, yada, right? Which hopefully- The reason knows. why I still see them all the same is no matter what they look like or where they're from, they all have a common goal and that's real estate. Yeah. So like me being a realtor, right? Like- there's a there's a framework in which I speak to on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook groups, on our podcast, because the one commonality that makes everybody the same is they're all looking to buy or sell real estate. So you can take all the demographics and ages and sexual preferences out of it because they all have a goal to buy real estate. So when people are coming to our Living in Denver channel, they're all the same because they've got this common goal of buying real estate. In Denver. The obstacles they're going to have and predicting the future and solving problems before they get there, to an extent, it's across the board because they're all making themselves our clientele because they're all from all walks of life coming in and they're all wanting, they've got this all, this common goal right here. Take the military, for example. I don't care where you come from, who you were born by, what what age you are. If you're going to boot camp to become a Marine, we all have a common goal, Mm -hmm. which makes us all the same. Period. We're trying yeah, to accomplish this, right? So like home ownership, like how many different obstacles are we talking about? That's for one person, but not for another. If you want to talk about, hey, I want to, I want to, you know, cater more to like a luxury market than multifamily. Like you can start talking about the different aspects of real estate. You can be a luxury agent. You can talk about investments and talk about, you know, uh, you know, fourplexes and apartment complexes. You can be on the investment side or you can just be for, hey, the everyday 
traditional suburban real estate, right? Cool. Like you've got a couple different markets we can speak to, but within those markets, everybody's got the same goal. Like we do a lot of luxury. There's a lot of commonality as far as like what people are looking for. There's a lot more commonality between consumer behavior that I think people give credit to. Oh, for sure. Uh, I think that the the fun part, like I have a client who specializes in 1031 exchanges. So if Mm -hmm. you go to her account, it's like, she is a commercial real estate agent. So she fits yeah. sort of the blanket statement of I'm a commercial real estate agent. I love it. Yep. This girl I is like a that. 1031 exchange to the nine. Like anything and everything that comes yeah. out of her mouth is 1031 exchange. Now, does that mean that she doesn't sell residential real estate too? No, of course it. she does, right? And, yeah. she, and it happens all the time, but why does it happen? And I always use this as an example. And I think you would hopefully agree with me of, her being the specialty person in the 1031 exchange place yep. makes her way more attractive to pretty much anybody else for that matter, regardless of whether you're on the commercial by far. or the resident. She's going to get so many referrals by people she helps because she's the girl for that, right? So we're talking about a mile deep. So like for this example, it's like, yeah, if you're that girl and you're doing 1031s and I'm going to I'm gonna be a, a professional like at this right here, yep. Just understand that it, you're not looking for a married guy with two kids that has a couple investment properties that now wants to go get a third one. No, it's all walks of life that have this one common bond, 1031. So learn how to get your 1031 content at scale and let anybody doing investments come to you as the expert. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yep. Completely sure. agree. I love it so much. It's, and it's one of those things I think for us, you, I saw something that you posted forever ago. It was a while back, like of not living in a box because you smashed the box, right? You're like, I live in this box. Like people will say, live within your boundaries. And you're like, fuck the boundaries. Like I live outside of the box. Um, I don't remember your exact words, but more or less, that's what you were saying. And I think that that's the thing about social content, because honestly, I have so much fun. Like I produced a reel yesterday that I thought would do really, really well. And it didn't, right. Which is fine. Whatever it's testing. Um, but the thing about it is when I was creating it, there was this sort of like, man, that kind of felt good. Like it felt like me. It felt very, I felt very connected to it. Um, I got to use content from my home that my husband and I just built, which means a lot to my family. Like there's a lot that went behind making that real. And so like, yeah, the fact that it maybe didn't do as well as I was hoping it would do doesn't deter me from continuing to produce content that makes me feel connected to my audience. And I think that's important to think through when you're making it. And just understanding your platform. Like for me, like with Instagram, my Instagram does pretty well. I don't look at it a ton as far as like how well it's doing. I'm not the guy that posts on a certain day at a certain time to get a certain response. And I'm not saying that those aren't great tactics. That's just not how I use my Instagram. When we're talking about our, our YouTube channel, yeah, there's 27 different analytical lines that we're looking at and applied analytics and how we're making adjustments because, hey, that's something that does create multiple seven figures a year just from that that YouTube channel alone. Yeah, there's a ton that I look at and things do matter there. So it just comes down to like what the platform is, why you're using it, what it's for. And my Instagram just tends to be a little bit unique. And I like that. Like we're real estate on so many other platforms. Instagram just lets me... I just kind of be myself. And I think especially like being a coach nowadays, you know, like and just having a ton of realtors with us, it lets people just go get Will's perspective if they'd like. And it's nice to have a, a lane or I guess you can call an outlet where I can just be me. Cause I'm, I'm so dialed in with our podcasts and our YouTube channels. Like I'm so that everywhere. 
Instagram, I just get to talk shit to you and challenge you and, and just, I just get to be me, but that's fun because Instagram for me is regardless of what people think or assume like, Hey man, I get a lot of human connection mm-hmm. off of Instagram. So that's like my playground. That's like recess for me when all these other platforms I'm in business in, right? Like I get to be me over here and have fun and create an awesome human experience and just make what I make, make the best of what I can out of it. Right. Like it's super fun, but yeah, I see why. Can a realtor do both? Cause I, I mean, I think that they can, and that's obviously, you know, why I'm in business is because I believe that they can, but I think can a realtor use Instagram as a platform where they do care about the line item of anal- or the line items plural of analytics, right? While also using it as recess or a playground. I love that philosophy because honestly, that's what it yeah. is for me too. But I think I it's shit yeah. out of business off of Instagram. So, hundred hundred percent, you know. And I think it just comes down to like what you're what you're looking for and what you're using it for. I think when it comes to like Facebook and Instagram, I think you can do really well at tapping into your immediate audience, right? Like. I don't think you're, I don't think realtors are going to scale sales and buys on Instagram more. So it's, it's focused to an immediate friend group within a certain area of where you live. Right. A lot of people's Instagram is right here, like Denver Metro area, let's call it right. Like there's a lot of business in there and they're, they're possibly like warm leads, right? YouTube, I think has a broader reach. We've got people moving from Italy to Denver. And do you know how they found us? YouTube. So, but they're just so different. Yeah. Cause I would disagree with you like, that you can't scale. And well, the, the answer is yes. Way. The way you're teaching people how to use Instagram, obviously it works. You're helping people make money. So it's not my place to say no. They're just so different. Cause YouTube is a search engine, right? Oh. Nobody knows you exist on YouTube. You got to understand how to make relevant content to a consumer based off what they're searching. And you got to bring the content to them. On Instagram, on Facebook, a lot of it is just your your following, whether it's your dog, your cat, the house you just built, or real estate. Your followers are going to see it if you're interacting with your followers appropriately. Then the followers you'd like to see your content are probably seeing it regardless of what topic of discussion it is. And that's fun. But because- I think there's a proactive approach to not only, and I, I'm doing my, my due diligence of pushing back appropriately, of saying that if you do Instagram correctly... Mm-hmm. it's not just your followers. It's not just the people that the algorithm is already showing your content to because of a like shared friend that you might, or a follower that you might have. Right. So like we teach realtors every single day, how to proactively prospect based off of data that they have, right? Like how many realtors do you know, Will, that are buying FISBOs, expires, cold calling lead lists? Like how many people are buying phone numbers, names, emails, addresses? How many people are paying shit ton of money for Facebook ads and collecting data from Facebook ads and are not doing anything with them other than cold calling them, right? Mm-hmm. So insert beyond the method and what my team and I teach. And it is taking that data and leveraging it and going and finding them and starting or initiating conversations with people that don't know you. Right. So we're like YouTube becomes the search engine where it's inbound to you. Instagram, I, the way we teach this allows you to be not just receive inbound, but also to proactively go out instead of being reactive, being proactive. Um, and so I think that there's, well, you probably can't say that because YouTube is not reactive. No. Yeah. You're no, it's both. YouTube is proactive because I'm making content that's getting put in front of people. And you don't know anybody doing 200 transactions a year from YouTube, yeah. and it costs me zero money to run my YouTube channel. For sure. YouTube yeah, yeah, yeah. made me a millionaire. 
right? Like I did 140 plus transactions last year from people calling, texting, and emailing. There's not a fucking person on Instagram doing that. Zero. It's but it's different. There's just it's just a different scale. And this is where we'll agree because we're we're gonna be partial to our platforms. But by me saying that, it doesn't mean that Instagram doesn't work, right? Like we just but again, like being careful with our words because people are inbound on YouTube, right? They call, text, or email our channel. You're but calling you that a ton yeah. of work. To your point, you put a ton of work into making that even possible, right? So you and did I'm also filtering out, right? You guys making your proactive calls and getting hung up on or not or not good numbers or people not wanting to be working with you or not ready. When people watch our content, for example, people are literally watching my channel right now. People consumed 95,000 hours of my channel last year. How do you guys get 95,000 hours of prospecting in? You don't, unless you're on the phone or DMs or emails, you're not getting anything. If you're not doing it, you're not going to get something from it. Yet I've got 95,000 hours of video watched last year alone. That's 10 years of prospecting done in one because people are watching my channel right now and I don't have to do anything. And then people call, text, or email. So for me, in my opinion, it's proactive because not only is it out there and it's evergreen, if someone's not for me, I don't hear from them. I only hear from people that want to work with us. But it's a lot because YouTube, like it's it's been Australia, it's been Italy, it's been you name it, and it's been every every state across the country. So, but like you said, there is a large amount of work that goes into creating a YouTube channel that produces that volume. Mm -hmm. So it probably sounds super attractive on this podcast, and it is, and it's as everything I'm saying it is. It's got to be for the right people that are ready for the next step into YouTube. The things that you are teaching, I love them because those are base hits. Those are things you can do right now to get in front of people and start building your, your brand on social media. So for me, I don't think it's a one or the other. I think I think it's both. It's just whether you're ready for more or not. But I'm just trying to be careful in like defending, I guess, my production with how I create real estate. Oh, without question, yeah. But, not, but I don't want to insult your method because – they're just different and they both work super well. And I'll be honest with you, not everybody is. You might have a handful of people listening to this podcast that are like, yo, this YouTube thing sounds dope and they're ready for it. Cool. There's a lot of people that run across me because of me speaking on stage. And they're so ready to be to be the CrossFit Games champion, but they haven't even done a wad yet. More or less even worked out. You see what I'm saying? So like, oh, for sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of folks that hear the numbers I'm saying on YouTube and they don't understand how long we did social media and different things and grew into a level, grew into the capacity to handle more. So you're going to have some listeners, right? That are ready for YouTube. You're going to have a lot that need to understand fundamentally how to create content and maximize Instagram and Facebook's first and better, right? Like there's a lot of benefit to like what you're teaching them. Yeah. And I think for, for me, I think it's a great, you're making excellent points and I, and I appreciate the back and forth because this is what, why I wanted to do this with you because you push me. I'm hoping that I can push back and, and stretch your brain too, in the sense of like when you are using Instagram at the level that we are right. Or myself personally, I'll put, I'll use myself as an individual here, right. My content, I've been doing this for nine years. And if you look and scroll back from my Instagram nine years ago to what it looks like today, they are wildly different, right? Like right. what, and, but I've never deleted anything. I've never gone back and been like, oh, I didn't like that. Or that brand doesn't represent me anymore. Like that's still there because you yep. get to see this evolution. So for me, is, is Instagram scalable? I a thousand percent believe it is. 
Um, but it's a different type oh, one of step skill. further. Yeah, it's a different type of skill. Yes, but are you scalable as me, a coach? Me, Michelle Berman, Michael, I think it's hard for, for people to be me. However, no, I no, will. No. I mean, how, how much more can you scale as a coach? Like, what's your next platform to deliver to your consumers? I mean, I'm as saying, in, as I'm, in, you should probably like your your next increase, your next level, your next deliverable is probably learning what we do. Yeah, I mean, and then we, executing on it, and then teaching people what we do. Like that's what I mean. Is like not only are platforms scalable, so are you. Like, what's your next level of proficiency? What's your next deliverable? Right? Because uh, something that helped me on Instagram a ton, as far as followers, was not Instagram. Like it was. But it also wasn't. It was podcasts. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's that's actually like when I did the math and I peeled back the onion for me, that's why I started my podcast was it allowed me the opportunity to connect with people like you who otherwise I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet unless we right. we bumped into each other on stage or we're like, oh, hey, who invited you here? Right. right. Um, but so take that one step further. What about YouTube? Are the things we can do with YouTube to scale? And grow a large audience through YouTube, but then would we also be using some of that content to then drag people to our social platforms? Oh, without mm -hmm. question. Without question. 100%. Yeah. So this is where it gets fun because this is where, you know, when you start seeing it at a high level, they're all very complimentary of each other. And then the, the conversation of which one, it's like, it's not which one, it's when you start doing all of them. It's, hey, start on Instagram or start on Facebook. Cool. But then, hey, here's how podcasting gets relevant. And like, being on people's podcasts was huge for me, but guess how I got to be on people's podcasts? I had them on mine. I had a podcast. I had them on. Then they had me on theirs. And like now three years into it, like I've been on some pretty large ones and I've had some guys on mine and all that gets chopped up into content and then put on my social media, correct? Which then when Annie Frisella is showing me on his Instagram, guess what happens? People are following my Instagram. When he has me just on his podcast platform and people hear the name Will Grimes while they're listening to Annie Frisella on Spotify, they're going to go to Instagram and look up my name and follow me. Mm -hmm. It's all the indirect stuff as well. And then you, if you throw YouTube into that mix, whether you're looking for a, a larger audience because you're an influencer or more real estate transactions, there is a way to use that platform to complement others. And that's what I mean for you as a coach is like, you're also going to grow your own capacity into different platforms and you obviously are super smart, right? Like you're probably a great candidate for it. Yeah. I mean, and I've, I don't even know the exact number, but I know I've been on personally have been on close to a hundred podcasts myself. And um, those are, that's my favorite, right. Being able to do that and, and get to yeah. talk about the passion that I have for what I do. And, and it's also fun because it's not just social related. It's not just real estate related. Like I've been on a lot of podcasts that are just about entrepreneurship and about, being a female leader in a very male dominated space. Um, and in, uh, real estate. Yeah. Specifically. Um, you know, what's so crazy about that is there's more women in real estate than men. Well, actually, no, I meant social media management is what I meant. Um, oh, gotcha. So okay. Social media management as a whole is predominantly male dominated, um, especially on stage. It's predominantly but, like fuck boys, right? It's <laughs> like, awful. Uh, it's awful. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I have, and this is one of the things I say all the time. I've say, I've said it on almost any entrepreneurial podcast I've been on. Um, my favorite one being necessary entrepreneur, uh, Mark Perkins, who runs it. He just interviewed Harvey Lewis, who just broke the world record for the most number of laps in the bad water 
ultra marathon race. He ran for like 45 days straight. It was fucking disgusting what this guy did, but yeah. Um, yeah. he did a video of showing what was in the trunk of his car, like food wise. And it's like, he was consuming something ungodly of like almost 10,000 calories a day. Um, but just insane, right? Wall running, like he was moving the entire time. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. But, um, being on the necessary entrepreneur podcast really gave me the space to say what I really felt like I needed to say, um, as an entrepreneur in this predominantly male space of, of saying like, Hey, I'm not going to pay to play right. When it comes to being on stages and that might sound bad. And there might be people who are like, well, Michelle, if you just pay to be a sponsor, like you get more opportunity to speak. And I'm like, but that's not how I operate. Right. Because how I have operated over the last several years is conversations like this. We're just being with the right people, being connected to the right people who get to hear my passion for what I do allows me the opportunity to, to take that. And for me, scaling fast isn't the key, or I'm sorry, isn't the goal. Scaling correctly and having the, the foundation to be able to support the incoming business is more important to me over sure. the long term, right? Because that means I have a sustaining business that's gonna last 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now that I get to give to my kids. Um, and, and so I think that that's important Yeah. and everybody's going to do it different. And I'm not saying my way is the right way. I'm just saying that's how yeah. it's been for me so far. Attention is a currency, right? So like my buddy, Ryan Pineda, you know, he had me on his podcast, right? Like for everybody else that costs 25 grand for them to be on his podcast. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, but I don't think they're wrong for spending it. No, I, I think that paying to play in, in certain circumstances in that, in that case, is that a decision that somebody's willing to make? I think that's up to them. You just got to understand when people are getting millions of downloads and you got a great product, like, you know, like, do you disagree with people buying Zillow leads? No, absolutely not. Yeah. So what's wrong with buying to be, what's wrong with paying to be on a podcast? It's the same thing. I think I was more, I think I was more implying like paying to have access to a stage, right. To put myself on a stage somewhere. Um, yeah, but I think, man, I think you should dive in, you know, cause like I'll, I'll pay to be on a stage and I, I might have to, at some point, as I get on a bigger stages, like I might have to, but that's like, if I'm getting on a stage, that's putting me in front of a certain amount of people that I can help. Well, those are all leads. Right. So it's like, for me, it's just, it's attention is currency. Yeah. If, if Grant Cardone said, Hey man, you're going to come speak at 10 X, but by the way, you've got to sell 500 tickets or bring a hundred thousand dollars. I'm in, I'm going to figure that out. You know, how many people, you know, how many people he's got at 10 X and Hey, I've got a great YouTube course or I've got a great co coaching course and it fucking works. I'm going to spend, you know, a hundred thousand dollar investment. Like for example, my buddy, my buddy, Rich Somers, he runs uh Somers capital. He was on Brad Lee's podcast. I think that podcast cost 24 grand. Do you know how many millions of dollars he made because he spent 24 grand? He made millions in 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 capital because he does he invests in boutique, uh, boutique hotels. Oh, you, Rich is an awesome guy, super great guy, super successful. He paid to be on Bradley's. That, that's just how Bradley runs his. It's just a business, you know. It's not for any. Um, he's not pretending to be your friend. You 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 pay to be on the podcast. He's got millions of listeners. That guy said he easily ten x his investment just by being honest. So I don't know, man. Like. I'm not saying this directly at you. I think people that say, I'm not going to pay to play. It's like, that sounds a little egotistical. Like who the fuck are you not to like, like because you're better or pure. Or like, I don't know. I think people should digest that. Here's what I would say. 
if you don't have a product or a business that can sustain the audience, yeah, you shouldn't. Or if you don't have a product or a business at all, and you're only paying to be on podcast to, to go get some clout. Yeah. That's not the right thing. If you've got a business or a product that can help a lot of people. And instead of buying leads or buying advertisements, you buy a spot on a podcast that gets released to millions of people. And that then brings influx into your business. It's just a new form of uh it's just a new form of currency. It's no different than online dating. How many people were against online dating? They were too good for that. They were bigger than that. But then like now it's almost like that's if you're not online dating, it's like, you don't have a, like, I remember this. This is really funny because my husband and I met in the gym, go figure. Right. And I actually knew I was going to marry him before he even ever said hello to me. Like I literally, I have this text message saved. We have it in a frame because it was that funny of like, I texted my best friend and said, I'm going to marry that dude. That is my husband. 100%. Um, fast forward. I was right. Um, he asked me to marry him three weeks later. We got married two months after we met. Um, but, and he asked me to marry him at a red light in the front of his truck on the way to the gym with no ring. Um, you can but, only call uh, your shot cause you didn't set the standard very high then apparently. Well, no, my husband is an absolute <laughs> badass. I, I definitely want, um, what I, what I was going to make a funny about is I remember when he did go to Shane company to buy my ring, he walked in and, and I obviously wasn't with him at that point. We were actually already married. So I didn't really care. Right. And whether I saw the ring or didn't, it didn't matter. Um, but he walked into Shane company to buy my actual wedding ring. And he said, or the lady of course said, well, what app did you guys meet on? That was literally how she introduced herself to him. And he goes, we actually met in real life, like at the gym. And she goes, and it doesn't make I either one of them wrong. You know, it just, yeah. but I think when people think like, wait, somebody paid to be on a podcast, like they're trying to correlate that to fake followers or something. It's like, no fake followers is fake followers. Paying to be on Bradley's podcast that gets millions of downloads that yeah. puts you and your product in front of people. It's no different than somebody putting up a billboard on, on you know, next to the highway. It's no, but you know, or putting your, putting your face on a, on a bus bench or it's just a different lane of attention now. But as to you your know, point, to your point, you, I want to tie this to what you said in the very beginning, because you said, be careful with your words, be careful with like the, the, everyone, the, anyone, like the phrasing. And so I think right. you just caught me in my own saying the the anyone or everything. Um, normally, I'm the one that's pushing on the, on these interviews on my podcast, but clearly, I picked the right guy to, to push back for me too. But um, well, you've got I a think- great you've got a great mind for it. You know, there's just a lot of new things, but I think it's also indicative of you're probably coming into your next level of growth. Yeah, I think, and it's I just thinking some things that are foreign and just realizing because I, I definitely see what you mean. People have a perception of certain things. And it's like, well, yeah, if you're seeing it through that lens, like if somebody's going to go pay to be on a podcast just to look cool, yeah, you're fake. What do you, mm-hmm. there's like, what are you doing? Right. Like, or that, that would be very negative, like fake followers. Yeah. But if you're going to pay to be on a podcast that gets you in front of a lot of folks that increases your business. Yeah. It's just a different form of income. Now, instead of paying for Zillow leads or realtor.com leads or a magazine cover or a sign next to the highway or a billboard, you're just paying to get your attention through podcasting. It's all attention. You're going to pay for attention at scale. If you want a magazine page in the Rolling Stones, you're going to pay because that gets purchased by so many people. If you want a billboard next to the highway and they say 5,000 cars pass this a day, you're going to pay to get that attention. If you're if you want Zillow leads, however many, it, you're paying for the attention. Mm-hmm. Right? Makes sense. So podcasting, you know, you're you're going to pay for the attention. If you go to an event, you know, like I'm speaking for Ryan Pineda, 
Ryan Pineda gave me a goal of selling a hundred tickets to Wealthcon. He goes, Hey man, with your following and with your footprint in real estate, I think a good goal for you and I would be to, to sell a hundred tickets from your, from your network. I said, great, let's do it. Contract me for a hundred. What that lets him do. And if you correlate this back to events, old school, I dated a girl a long time ago who was a, she's a fighter, MMA fighter. And back in the amateur events, like Ring of Fire and different ones, when you got put on a fight card, they say, congratulations, you're on the fight card. By the way, here's 45 tickets to go sell to your family and friends because without them buying those tickets, this venue doesn't exist. The fight won't even happen. Like, we got to we gotta sell. So when Ryan Pineda's bringing in Tim Tebow and Ed Milet to speak, that costs a lot of money. The venue costs a lot of money. So all of his speakers tap into their following for support to come be a part of the event. Yeah. Yeah. So technically it's like, well, yeah, technically I'm going to go sell a hundred tickets to do good by Ryan, but then how many more people, how many more thousands of people am I in front of? But then I'm also bringing my hundred for those other people to be in front of my audience to just bring a great event. So it's just, it all comes down to attention. Yeah. Right. Like, I think where the intent is coming from is probably what you're challenged by. Cause I think you, I think you see paying to be on a podcast or paying to be a speaker as a very negative thing versus just seeing it for attention. What I do like about what you said is, Hey, I'm not going to go put myself in front of a million people if I can't service them. I like that. Cause if you can't service, I mean, what, at that point, what are you, there's just no integrity behind what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And we can like, obviously or else I wouldn't be in the position I'm in, but I think my, my real intention not to get therapy on everybody here, but I guess we're doing it. Um, or authentic, (laughs) I guess is a better way, but my real intention is, is 95% of my life. And I'm, I'm a huge mental health advocate. Um, I've been in therapy most of my adult life, um, for lots of reasons. I've been through a lot of crap, if you will, um, as has everybody, right. We all have our stuff. Um, I wear God on my sleeve, second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven, I'll walk by faith and not by sight. And that's really important to me. Um, but what it really comes down to is that anything I've done in my life, I've been able to do purely by the grace of, or the goodness of my heart, like, or what's in my heart. Right. So people have chosen me, people have paid me because they hear the passion in my voice. And I think yep. for me, that's where the challenge comes into play because I know some of these people and I'm never going to name names because it's irrelevant, right? It doesn't make any difference. But um, there are people who are on these stages that are not selling good product, that are just taking money from people and not delivering. And so for me, Love it. When, yep, I do I have, when I do have that opportunity, like I know how good we are and I know how good my team is. I know how passionate I am about it. And I also know that if, yeah. if my so team- So for me, failing, for me being a fan of you, I'd go, yeah. you better fucking start paying to be on a stage sooner than later then. <laughs> Because if you're going to keep letting everybody else win with shitty product and and you refuse to do it because you have a great product and refuse to pay for the, it's like, it's backwards. It's because I do agree. There's a bunch of charlatans out there. There's a bunch of smoke and mirrors and it's not good product. And the only reason why they're on some stages is because they're paying to play hundred percent. But it doesn't mean that paying the pl- paying to play is the problem. No, they're I- just, they're taking advantage of that, but it doesn't mean that it's the problem, right? Like, and if you start getting into upper echelon events like Ryan Pineda or some of these other big wealth con events, you're not going to see it at that level. Ryan can have anybody speak for him. He doesn't need to have some fake guy come because it's funding the event. Grant Cardone 
doesn't need somebody fake. You know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't need somebody fake to show up because he's got such a demand for the dude. The dude's got Alex Rodriguez coming, right? right. Like people, people pay. Like, you know, when you get awarded, you know, if they say, Hey, Michelle, we've chosen you to sing uh, during halftime at the Super Bowl this year. You know, that costs you money, right? Yeah. They're not paying Beyonce to come play. Beyonce is paying to act like, hey, we picked you, but you still got to pay for that platform. Mm-hmm. She does make but a what is bazillion that? dollars out of it on the other side of it. But yeah. But the difference is the Super Bowl's not going to hire some terrible singer because the demand for their platform is huge. So I agree with you. There's a lot of fake people on stages. You start getting to these upper ends on stages, they can have anybody speak for them. They don't need to have some bs dude on the stage because the demand for really good people on that stage is it's just it's set so I, it's like man i so agree with you but it's not the pay to play that's the problem it's just the people you don't like that are abusing an avenue in business yeah for sure well Donald trump is not your problem the <laughs> loopholes and the tax code are you see what i'm saying it's like but they are what they are so you're yeah. mad at him but he's just He's just using this pat, and I'm not saying you like or dislike Trump. I'm just using it as an example. Paying to play in business is no different than the tax code. Why are you mad at the person? Like, it you could be utilizing the, the same. Hate, hate the hate the game, right? Hate the system, not that whatever. A little bit, yeah. But like, the problem is the people you don't like that you won't mention, which is cool. It could be hindering your growth and your reach to people that you could really help. I mean, what if there was a mom out there that you met at an event that you paid to be a sponsor of? And 12 months after you helped her, she just says, thank you. And you just allowed me to feed my kids. Would you really feel that bad about sponsoring that event and speaking there because you paid a couple bucks, but you were able to touch somebody that wouldn't have known you if it weren't for you being there? I don't think you'd have the same perception. I think you're letting, I think you're letting shitty people give you a bad perception of conceptually how to go grab more attention. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of amazing people that pay to be on a stage, right? Like there was a guy that spoke for Grant Cardone and he bought a, I think he bought, man, was it 500 tickets or something crazy? It was like a million dollar investment or something like that. Gave the tickets away at half price, gave some away for free, spoke for him, was able to sell his products while he was there. He ended up making $3 million on his $1 million investment, but he's he's got one of the best CRMs that there is. So it was no, a great think- win for him. But I, I, but I, I do agree with yeah. you because I, I don't want to act like I don't struggle with the coaching industry and like I don't struggle with charlatans and smoke and mirrors and like and that. I just don't want. But those people, Michelle, are going to be those people no matter what, whether they're paying to play, whether they're out in front of us or not. Those people are just going to be those people, and they're going to infect anything that they're doing. If anything, that gives more reason for folks like you that do stand by your brand and your business and helping people. That's why you should be louder. Yeah. Uh, Hey, you know, I'm working on being louder and I think it's a matter of being connected to the right people who are able to pull those, that that type of thought process out of me. And I think that that's a big thing. You know, um, I'm super proud of who I am. I'm very proud of my organization. And I think it's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time, sort of the six degrees of separation, if you will, um, of, of who you're connected to. And I think we're getting there for sure. Um, but I do want to wrap us up because I know you and I could probably talk honestly forever, even offline or online. It doesn't wouldn't make any difference. 
Um, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate, appreciate just your candor and, and who you are as an individual. Um, it, you are exactly who you are on Instagram in real life. And that's really refreshing. So um, I hope that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's who I am too. And you either love us or hate us, but if you're listening to this, you probably love us. So, um, will, will you tell people how they can find you on Instagram? And then also what is the next big thing that you have coming up that someone can get dialed into? Uh, probably WealthCon. I'm speaking for Ryan Pineda. That's in January. I've got a couple uh, speaking engagements in Austin, but that's like two days from now. So that's probably a little bit too soon. So January, um, I've, I've got half off tickets for that. If people are interested in tickets for that, but that's January 9th in Vegas uh, for him. And then, um, yeah, just will underscore Grimes on Instagram. And man, if you message me there, I literally message 100% of people back. So if they got a question, if they want to say what's up or, or if they want to uh, push back at me for pushing at you, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. There's not a person I don't get back to. I run, you'll be proud of me. I run my own Instagram. Um, I love what you do. You know, you know what I think I'll leave you with this. If there's a nugget I could give to the industry, you you're, you're, you're helping. They've got to understand how much more content they got to create to help you have something to work with. I think a lot of times they don't realize that you can't outsource a personal brand. Like no matter what you can do for them and teach them, like they still got to be putting the work in to create content. And I think that's the one part that hinders them, but I, I have a lot of fun on mine and I like DMing. So yeah, if people message me there. Um, now let's do it. Let's have a conversation. I love it. And I can attest to that guys. He really does respond back right away. So I, know. I, know. I appreciate you so much. Me. Um, I appreciate you and my audience will appreciate you. I know it. Um, so thank you. If we have time to do a part two, I think we should, because I think honestly we could go forever. So thanks Will, so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow my guests on social media. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review wherever you consume this content.